Welcome to Dan's On Site with Dan Dutton and Dan Goley, a podcast and YouTube show dedicated to all things real estate, delivering market information, interviews from all perspectives, and tips for everyone involved in or interested in real estate. We'd love to hear from you. Dan's at dansonsite.com. Welcome to Dan's On Site. Hey, do us a favor as we get started here. Like our videos if you would. If you uh, if you like what we're doing here, subscribe to our videos or podcasts. However, you get the show, um, all that stuff helps us. If you really like what we're doing, maybe write us a review. But I don't want to ask too much. Or of thumbs people. up, thumbs up, thumbs up, like, subscribe, do all this stuff. We very much appreciate it. <laughs> so last week with TJ has proven to be a really popular show, maybe our most popular show yet. The hours watched uh, far exceed any other videos we put out. What did you think of uh, last week's show with TJ? Well, you know, we went through and tried to touch about every topic possible when it comes to leadership um, of a company. You know, it just so happens that TJ is leadership of a commercial real estate company. But inside of that, you know, he touched on the construction side, he touched on property management, which is probably, you know, outside of brokerage being a major impacting part, property management may be the one. I mean, if you look at it and, and really realize that companies, when you hear on the news that a company is getting shut down for a few days, what does that mean? And we need to sanitize that is heavily property management, especially in a multi-tenanted building where there's more than one tenant, as, as we say, that, you know, a lot of the stuff that he talked about, I think, can be applied really across the board to, to any leader of any company. There's no doubt that property management has more direct contact with the people that are experiencing the businesses experiencing COVID firsthand, more so mm -hmm. than brokers do, construction does, anybody else does. And so, yeah, that was really interesting to hear him talk about how property management deals with it. And really there's nobody better than those firsthand experiences of a large segment of businesses than property management because they see everybody. Well, and it's the time that COVID hit. So, I mean, it hit in March when um, schools were still in, everything clears out. And so now in the next you know, 30, 60, 90 days, as we tape this, we are gonna probably have, bring into the educational or schools or, or how they're all working. But that period of time from his episode backing up to March really was how are people surviving? How are companies surviving? You know, how are they dealing with their clients? And I think that is just, it's just turned out to be a great, great episode. It was, and it was really fascinating to get his take on the office market as well. Yeah. So this week, uh, no guests this week. We instead decided we're gonna take a trip down memory lane, discuss how we got started in real estate and some of our best Memory's advice. a little tough. Sometimes maybe the well, short term might be gone or... You know, in brokerage, there's a few happy hours that take place. So maybe yeah. we don't remember as much as we'd like to, yeah, but... It's not a full 24 hours. <laughs> yeah, and then some of, uh, some of our best advice for those who want to get started in real estate or maybe young brokers, young real estate people just getting started. So let's jump into it, Dan. How did you get your start in real estate? You know, my interest going way back was probably when I was a little child. I grew up just north of Westroads Mall. And um, at that time- In Omaha. Omaha, Nebraska. Omaha, Nebraska. Might be somebody, I thought everybody- knew. Somebody might be outside Omaha now. Well, we do have Nebraska. Ireland followers. We are <laughs> yeah, worldly. We 
there is multiple countries that yeah. check us out. We really appreciate all that, in all honesty. But anyways, jokingly aside, uh, Westworld's Mall's really on the, the corner of 680 and Dodge Street. It's really the hub and the activity of what goes on and um, as of right now. So when you hear of malls, closings, and everything else, I mean, Westroads is, you know, the one mall that has probably separated himself from uh, all the other ones for closing. It's strong, it's, it's revitalized. Um, it's, I kind of use Westroads Mall, I'm digressing a little bit, a little bit. but I'm, I'm, uh, I use Westroads Mall when people say, you know, what is commercial real estate? You know, how does it happen? How does this survive? And, and we always say, Dan and I have talked about this a lot, is that really on the commercial real estate side, uh, the world evolves. So it's constantly evolving. I can go down the list of the, the different stores. We used to go to Gizmos, you know, the arcade as a kid. And then there was, you know, all the different restaurants that were we around. Did talk, we did talk last week about going to the mall as kids and what was there and then me taking my kids there now and then be like, why would anybody want to be here? Yeah. Well, then they went from Gizmos up in the corner, which is probably where, you know, Yonkers is maybe now. And then it, it uh, you know, now the, the uh, arcade was in the basement and whatever, I'm digressing. But anyways, I was always a kid that was interested in, you know, the stores and how they were there. And when you'd walk through the mall and they were doing construction, they, they would fence off and they still do today where it's just basically a construction door and I was always peeking in and then, you know, and then my dad worked at uh, Mutual of Omaha and, you know, we used to go to his office and look out and I was always in, when they, you know, excited to see all the different construction and then the dome, he was, a, was around in that era as well. And how in the hell can they dig a, excuse me, a hole in the ground and build up from there into a dome. So all those things really, really fascinated me. And um, so as I, I got along, I kind of fell into it. I don't think I was, you know, destined to be into it, but I just kind of, came into it one day and it's really, I've never, you know, I know it sounds cliche, uh, there, there can't be a day, even though there are struggles and you're going, you say to yourself, how can I get through the day? But I never wake up and say, you know, I really don't want to go to work. So what was that first for you? I mean, you know, I'll get into this with myself too, but nobody really tells you how to become a real estate broker. Mm -mm. It, you do kind of fall into it, but what was your first step? What was the first thing you did to go about getting in the real estate industry? Um, I just talked to friends that were older, friends of the family that were in it, and uh, just talked to them about the industry, how they started. And um, a lot of it, it seemed like the, the theme is, if you have interest, go talk to the experienced people who maybe are on the, you know, back into their careers and use them as mentors. And then from there, I would meet clients and talk to them. So for me, I was always asking and asking and asking. So you... Um you uh, got your real estate license, mm -hmm. and where did you go from there? Um, I went into done the commercial side. Went into uh, uh, Trent Magan with this World Group. I always joke, you know, I walked in with a client that wanted a purchase agreement and walked out with a job working for him. And it was a situation where he was growing the the company at the time. And he knew that he, you know, it's it's hard. I mean, it's hard to get brokers. It's hard to have, um, it's a tough industry. It's not for everyone. Uh, but I, I saw a, a drive in him that, you know, he needed some help. We kind of clicked immediately and just grew from there. And then um, the, really, I'm, I'm an old school guy with interest and I literally would just get in the phone book and open up to a section and just start calling. Yeah, so when I got started in real estate, 
I always think back, I had no, I was 22. I literally had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. I tried a little bit of this, a little bit of that. That's the fun though, it's blind. Yeah, I was Just as long blind. as you don't offend people, maybe. I think I had some family members that were a little bit concerned about the <laughs> not knowing what I was doing with that's, my life. That's what I like, is the attractiveness to it. So my grandfather was actually, is in real estate or was in real estate for a long, long time in California. He was back and we went out to this big family dinner at Applebee's. I mean, cause that's how we rolled in Lincoln. Applebee's is a big deal. And uh, I remember him sitting there. Basically, it's with my grandfather. It was always it's always twenty questions. You know, how's this going? How's that going? What are you going to do here? What are you going to do there? What? And so I, I I knew it going in. But this one was really guided around like you're twenty two. It's time to pick an avenue and at least chase it for a while and see if it's going to work out. What do you want to do? What do you like to do? Well, you know all that stuff. And I, he goes, you know what? You ought to. You gotta get a real estate license and just start in real estate and see where it takes you. And I, uh, I quit my job and three weeks later I had my real estate license. And of course, what do you do with real estate license once you have it? Well, I had no idea because my grandfather had gone back to California and he didn't really give me that part of this. So, but what did, what did the people that come to real estate classes are always residential people. Mm -hmm. And so I caught on with a residential firm. And I worked there for about a year and I I've told this story a lot. Uh, one of my best friends in the world would happen to be dating, um, well, Randy Lenhoff, who was in charge of Selden Company at the time. Dating Randy? Or his, his daughter, daughter, actually. Daughter. Yeah, his daughter was dating uh, my buddy. And she uh, mentioned that they needed a commercial real estate agent uh, at Selden. And so I interviewed, I may have had an inside track, but actually I don't know that they had many other people interview. So that was <laughs> you know, a big part of it too. That <laughs> list is long. Oh boy. Anyway, uh, so I caught on with Selden and, um, which is good because I wouldn't have lasted much longer in residential. That was, it was not for me. Uh, and it's kind of funny. I think commercial firms generally do a much better job getting themselves out there today and recruiting those young brokers and real estate programs at college, which didn't exist when we were mm -hmm. of college age. I mean, you and those really the only one. I mean, Creighton's dipping into it a little bit now, but it's it's hard to find that. Yeah, but there are at least some nationally mm -hmm. uh, that are doing the same thing, but that didn't exist back then. And that gives commercial firms or investment firms, uh, private equity firms, a route to pull young people directly from college and into commercial real estate. I feel like in the past, if you got into commercial real estate, you always stumbled into it. It was almost never done on purpose. Mm -hmm. Unless you had you know, family. Or family. And we certainly know plenty of people that got into real estate because of family. Mm -hmm. Well, it, it's, you know, some people ask, well, you have a real estate license, is it residential? And, you know, is it the same selling houses that is building? Well, you know, it's different. It's a different mindset. On the, on the residential side, it's more of an emotional purchase. You know, where, you know, where's my family safe? Where are the schools going to be? Are we positioned if we have, you know, young children? So it's a lot different mindset than, you know, on the commercial side where, you know, while emotions can get into it, if you're a little bit fired up over a deal, you mean on our, on the commercial side, it's more of strategy, uh, planning what makes sense. What does the deal entail? If they're going to lease a specific, let's say an office, we're in an office park here. Does it make sense? Does all the employees have access to it? 
It's great for us where we are at on 132nd and Dodge. You know, we can get anywhere on Dodge and we're 15, 20 minutes and anywhere in town. So for us, convenience is a big part of the deal. And so I think a lot of it, it's just a different strategy going into it from there. And, you know, it's, I, I you know, I take the boys or wherever else we're, we're driving down Dodge Street and I always see the first national tower and you always, it's the beauty of our industry is we work on projects that, you know, maybe we're not directly involved with like the first national yeah. tower, but I can always go back and say, you know, I remember standing up on, gosh, I don't even remember what floor it was, but I was certainly above the Woodman Tower. And all that was in there was we were doing a, a tour of the floor was poured and there's this little wire about, you know, yay big circulating and we we're all in hard hats and you would lean on the corner and look down. And I went to, um, uh, the foreman at the time that was there. I'm like, how do you keep people from safe? I mean, it was just winds wailing through there. And he goes, look where everybody is. Everybody's scared, kind of, you know, has this little fear and they're all close to the elevator shaft, which is right in the middle of it all. And, um, you know, I just remember that story. I remember that they, you know, put, uh, to make sure it was straight, they had uh, laser beams and, you know, in Iowa and then south and Bellevue and west Omaha and way north, you know, that far back to shoot it to make sure it's going straight. So it's just, it's the stories you can tell on the commercial side, you know, and how things have grown and, you know, you remember when it was built. Some people like the stories, I think. Um, not all, but that's really what kind of, you know, keeps me interested. It, in is, it. it is neat to look at a project that becomes a significant landmark in your city and say, you know, sometimes you did have a significant part to play. Sometimes you had a very minor role to play, but either way it's fun. And of course, I don't think my wife likes to hear about the stories no. as much as I do. Fairly certain <laughs> seven out of 10 are dialed me out right when I start to tell it. Right, but it is, it is fun. And it is neat to hear about or think about. So we both lived professionally through 2008. Mm -hmm. And we remember, huh, unfortunately, in great detail what it was like to be in 2008. What's your, what was your memories during 2008 and the Great Recession, the financial crisis, all that? Well, the, what I remember is the conversations. And I think um, any broker that you know started in maybe 2010, to today really heard stories about the 08, even though it took a few years to get out of there. The difference now is, is the banks are more flush. They have more cash and the stories are different. Back in 08, you didn't know who was gonna lose their job, who was gonna lose their house. I mean, some banks, I mean, there was just, it was almost just like a, it was a different bloodbath maybe than today. But I, I remember back then just, it was kind of its own pandemic because even though there was 01 with a little blip and some blips in the 90s, 08 was just, it was almost like a clearinghouse. And it really the was. conversations, and I, I didn't have any knowledge of that. You know, I'm, I'm not, I, I didn't live through the 90s and everything else. And, you know, the stories you hear on the old ones, but it was just a bloodbath. And it, the conversations were just completely different than what they are today. Well, I, you know, in 08, I was 28. And so I've been in the real estate as a broker for about five years, give mm -hmm. or take. And they always say, you know, five years is what it takes to get your, once you hit five years, you can kind of, not that you won't ever want to coast, but you built your business, you know, you can make it long-term from there on out. And really I was at 26, 27, 
leading up, I was making more money than I even thought was ever possible for me personally. And my career was going great. And I, I was in love with everything going on. And then 08 hit. And it was like, it was really a smack to the face. Oh, it was kicking big, the knees. Big bat to the face. But the thing I always remember about 08 is having lunch with bankers. And bankers sitting there looking at you across from the table and saying, we can't lend. We, we either can't get our hands on money to lend or the federal government is specifically telling us we can't lend money. And then I remember going home and seeing, not to get ultra political here, but going home and seeing government officials at the very highest levels of our federal government saying, we're sitting here telling banks to lend money. We're telling them to give away money. We're telling this. And then you'd have another lunch with another banker who would tell you the exact same thing the banker two days before told you we can't lend. And the federal government won't let us lend. And so I don't know that anybody actually knew the truth. I don't know that the bankers fully knew what they were or weren't able to do or how liquid they could be. And I'm sure that the federal government didn't really understand what was going on with banks at the time. But for the rest of us who weren't operating in that field or that field, the rest of us had to needed both to get along to put cash into the market. And as we talk about today and COVID and what's happening, that's the biggest difference, right? And we've said this many times is banks do have money and they are lending money. And the government is very much trying to force money into the marketplace. Now, that money is going to go through the marketplace and be pulled back out mm -hmm. somewhere along the line. And so the question is now, as we sit on August you know, 20th or whatever, as we move into September and that money's flowed out, if the government doesn't push more money into the marketplace, our business is going to start to fail at a higher rate than they did three months ago. And are we going to start to see some more similarities to 08? Because I'm not sure right now we have that many similarities. No, I mean, it's, I was with some people over the weekend and uh, they were saying, oh my gosh, your business has to be down and all these places closing and, and all that sort of stuff. And I, and I always come back with the answer of, yes, you hear, um, the news stories and everything else. And in large part, they're accurate. I'm not saying they're inaccurate. I'm not saying anything against, you know, news medias, but I think, you know, here in Nebraska, especially the Midwest, you have to dial that back in a little bit and you have to really look at it a little bit tighter and know kind of a bigger story. Sure. You know, it's, it's amazing when I watch TV and you have Times Square where there's no one walking, right. you know, where Victoria's Secret or whatever it is, I heard the other day is paying like a million dollars a month in rent. I mean, that's a stinger when there's no one on the streets. Around here, if you dial it back in, some of the places that have closed, unfortunately, in most of them, I would say, have had some sort of landlord assistance, have probably had the writing on the wall that maybe in the next 12 months or 24 they were, months, they were going dark anyway. Significant trouble. And so this just fast-tracked those people. And I think that's kind of the first wave. You know, that the, the PPP are maybe held on for a month or so for them, but the reality is, you know, that they were going dark. And I know you and I, you know, we worked with some um, national people before the pandemic, national clients, that, you know, you, you and I would look into and try and figure out maybe if there's some corporations that were downsizing or maybe they were going to... Um, you know, merge a couple different concepts into one. And so that's how we found vacancies. And now I think some of the landlords are, are starting to come to us and saying, look, this is coming and they're tipping us off and saying, we may need help here in the next 60 to 90 days and keep your radar up. Well, and let's not forget 
the vacancy means opportunity for real estate brokers. Well, yeah. And so... More than the ambulance chasers. <laughs> yeah, we are a little... Theory. In some ways, we are. Now, it's not necessarily great for landlords... Landlords or, hurt. ...or banks down the road. But as real estate brokers, vacancy does... And truthfully, before COVID hit, we were seeing in some sectors all-time low vacancy rates. Mm -hmm. Even in retail, people love to crush retail, but we were seeing some really low vacancy rates. And if you got a new restaurant to town that was looking for space, it wasn't easy yeah. to find them class A space. And sometimes it wasn't easy to find class B space. And so that's one thing these downturns do create is opportunities, not only for brokers, but maybe better for the, the businesses, successful businesses who want to take advantage of those opportunities. Well, and it's, you know, we, you just said it. I mean, we'd have people come in and say, I want to open up six or eight locations in Omaha. And we'd say, where? And I think Omaha and Nebraska, really, in general, in the Midwest, I mean, you can include, you can wrap all the way to Des Moines, most likely. And, and you see that, you know, we were a little, we weren't the trailblazers of getting out ahead of it and hoping that people will come. Everybody now, especially the lenders, and they've, they've gotten smart from 08, they're requiring that 50 and 60% and occupied before they even throw a stake in the ground. Yeah, they really do. And 08 has, I think, taught everybody some lessons. And truthfully, while maybe pre-COVID, I was starting to wonder if we were starting to forget some of those lessons, I actually think for the most part, we've remembered the lessons that 08 has taught us. It's not that long ago. And COVID is kind of actually reinforcing a lot of people, those lessons they've learned and they've, they've buckled down. One thing we did as, you know, um, not that either one of us is old by any means, uh, well, Young at heart. don't mind the gray hair, I guess. But anyway, <laughs> one thing we did, we tried to speak to the younger brokers here about our experiences in 08. And maybe it hasn't, like we said, proven out to be the same situation. But we could at least say, hey, we went through this crisis. Here's how we move forward. And maybe as we kind of the last question that we talk about here is best advice for you know, on our sheet, I said young brokers, but it's probably anybody that's, you know, let's say under 30 in the real estate business, or maybe people that have been in the real estate business for less than five years. You know, what was some of that advice that we, you gave to people leading into COVID and just generally, what's your best advice? I realize those are two different things, but generally what's your best advice for young real estate professionals? Well, it's the same word and we've touched on it. I think about every episode is communication. And I think um, before COVID, pre-COVID, um, we just tell them. I mean, the world today is texting and emailing. And I think in the younger brokers coming out is that communication maybe is going to be the biggest challenge. You know, before cell phones, and we're not that old to know that, you know, cell phones weren't around, but I mean, it was... It was how we were brought up or how I was brought up is, you know, the phone was your source of communication if it wasn't face to face. Yeah. And so it's keeping up with that communication. And I think pre-COVID is to learn those opportunities I just mentioned is, you know, are there anything coming up? And then when COVID hit, there was a period of time, probably 30 days or so, where we asked ourselves the question, you know, are we too insensitive to call and talk? And so I think people kind of stayed back and was, you know, a little bit more careful um, with the, the conversations. But, you know, I, when I talk to them, I, I still say you have to call and just listen. You know, I mean, we, we've had some where we called right early on. I mean, they would just unload. What did we find out when we called a client? 
we found out they really wanted to talk. They yeah. Because they weren't in the office. They didn't have anybody to bounce ideas off of. They didn't have anybody to listen to their complaints. Absolutely. And they're like, oh, wow, my real estate broker's calling me. I can do all these things to them. And they'll at least listen to me and understand. And maybe if I need to provide a little bit of advice. But we absolutely found people wanted to talk. They just talked. I mean, and it was actually refreshing because... You know, we were going through pain because there wasn't as many deals. They, as some of the investor people, they were going through some pain because we weren't bringing them new deals and they may be losing. I mean, fortunately for us, we didn't have a lot of collapsing deals that during COVID, we didn't really lose out on many deals. Postponed, maybe delayed, yes, but not completely falling out. I can remember one. Um, but I think, you know, <laughs> which was a stinger <laughs> or two, actually two. And so uh, there were stingers. But we'll go way past that. And, uh, you know, I mean, it was it was good to have at least conversations. And I think where it's going to make us stronger coming out of the back end of this is that we had we talked to them. And I, I talked to a couple clients yesterday, and it's just continuing conversation on where's the market going. And we're doing leases. There's tours that are starting to kick back up. Um, people are more comfortable wearing masks. And, you know, the younger brokers, the best thing for them is... They never went through a 2008 in some ways because this is all new to them. And so if you turn it into more of a positive reaction saying, hey, listen, this is only going to make you stronger. So I want to go back to communication for one quick second, because I think there's talking about communication during the pandemic and how important it was to touch base with people who are now stuck at home. Uh, and if you're like me, not that my wife is wonderful in every single way. But she doesn't want to hear about things that are happening in my job because she doesn't fully understand them. And I need to vent to coworkers or to people that understand. And so there's that. But, you know, in today's world, having been, you know, when I started in the real estate business, emails did exist. Text messaging, I suppose, did exist too. But you def you never sent a professional text message. That just, that was off. Mm -hmm. You didn't do it. wasn't acceptable. But even with emails, and sometimes you do write long emails to try to cover a bunch of things, and you do that to make sure it's in writing or whatever, but there is something lost in, in text that is not the same as speaking to somebody either over the phone or directly. I guess maybe if you're William Shakespeare or one of the great writers of all time, you can. It's not going to be me. Yeah, it's not going to be me either. So there's in text messages... Well, they are acceptable professionally in a lot of ways now, and they certainly allow you to get that quick um, connection with somebody and that super quick response. There is almost always something lost in text messages. And that's why I think most of my text messages are like, quick hit, let's get on a call. Because I can't, nobody, you're not going to read my 80 paragraph text message, which mm. would, what do you have to be? I certainly wouldn't. No. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'd be lost after five seconds. Be like, I'm just going to call you. But you can't, um, but you, you have to get on the phone for that. And I think my, what I try to tell young people is real estate gets in the blood. It is really hard once you start in this industry to get out of the industry because real estate, they're, like we talked about before, you become a part of a project, you know, for as long as that building exists, you were part of what made that building possible. Mm -hmm. Certain pride about it. I mean, you're just full of pride that you, you know, your success. I mean, we have some down ones. We have some bit hit and misses, but you remember those two. 
you know, I drive by those all the time. I don't want to talk about them because I'll remember them. But you're like, if I would have just done this, I could have had that. The flexibility that this career provides. Mm -hmm. I don't know of many other careers that provide you the flexibility. Now, on the other side of that is, it means like this last weekend, I spent an amazing amount of time working. And I was out doing showings, meeting clients, having not great conversations with people all weekend long. And while on commercial, that's maybe rarer than it is in residential, it's still something happens. So I always kind of say, you know, what hours do you work? The answer is kind of all of them. Always. So Real there is that sleeps. side. But like, you know, today maybe I need to leave at two o'clock and go do some family stuff. I'll do that. And there's no questions asked and mm -hmm. I'm not worried about it. And nobody else is either. So that flexibility is really special too. So any, I guess, last, before we wrap up the show, any last parting advice you'd, you'd give to the community? Well, if you're a investor, landlord, anybody like that that's uh, just wants to talk or get another opinion, we'd certainly love to talk to you. Um, I think that, you know, it's important for us to understand where the community's at. And I think, um, you know, it's not just a deal structure, it's just understanding conversation. And I think that's a lot of the stuff that we've, you know, really learned uh, through this whole COVID episode that is still ongoing, unfortunately, is just communication because every single day is brand new. I mean, you, the testing has changed, you know, so what does that mean? And so how does that impact us on the, the, the commercial side? Well, there's testing sites in, in parking lots. And so we've had conversation with people that want to rent parking lots. So this whole world of COVID is ever evolving. Nobody's an expert on it at all. And I think you know, if we just constantly stay talking to each other, maybe there's some reassuring that can happen out of it. And I think we'll all be a lot better. There's no doubt. Communication, the subtopic uh, of every Dan yeah. Todd sign. We're trying to find a new word, but I mean, it keeps coming back to it. It absolutely does keep coming back. And I would say, um, you know, if you're young, if you're in college or maybe not quite to college or just out of college and you're thinking a real estate career might be right for you, you know, reach out. Dan's at dansonsite.com. We would love to at least point you in the right direction. Not sure that we can always provide the guidance you maybe need or are looking for, but we can at least point you in the right direction of who to talk to or what to do. And the other idea is there's lots of different aspects of this career. We are real estate brokers, but I've been an asset manager too. And an asset manager is, you know, a lot of times spent mostly in the office and a little bit out in the field and you're looking at financials and spreadsheets all day long and you're trying to you know plan for goals to hit and then make sure the owners are getting the money that uh, you told them you get for them and there's property managers and property managers are you know they spend a lot of time in the field at very specific properties they have a lot of direct contact with tenants that are under lease there's uh, facilities people who are kind of like a property manager, but then they also have some maintenance elements mm -hmm. to their job too. And then you can get into financial analysis where people are creating underwriting to see how projects will perform. And, you know, and then of course there's developers, there's owners, there's investors, there's a million different ways. And honestly, we'd love to see everybody get involved whatever the way they want. You know, I read real quickly before I end, I read a story, and I don't remember the exact percentage now, but you know, real estate as a if you take all of real estate and put it together as a sector of the GDP, it mm -hmm. makes up like half of the GDP or more than half of the GDP. So, really, at the end of the day, real estate 
to a certain degree is the engine that makes the United States run. And so we want to be proactive in pr promoting that community. And I would also say that's part of why we started the Facebook group. Um, it's real estate on site, go on Facebook, join the real, uh, the Facebook group. Let's build this community. Let's uh, be proactive and supportive of each other and see how far we can take this whole thing. Yeah, and if anybody else in the same industry, anybody's in the commercial real estate industry, you know, any state, county, uh, wherever you are, you know, please reach out to us because we like to share your ideas too. And you can certainly use ours and hopefully it's of help. And But any, any conversation, anything you have to add, uh, you know, we want to hear it. So we want to hear from you and we'd be happy to share it. And I think, you know, with this horrible thing that we're going through right now, I think we'll all be a lot better if we all are communicating, as we say, and well, on the same page. Be, be honest, uh, networking is one-on-one in this business and we'd love to network with you and get to know you. So yeah. reach out, uh, we'd love to talk to you, maybe even have you on the show, to be honest. Absolutely. So thanks again for joining us today. As always, you can find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, all those, YouTube, but of course, New website, dansonsite.com. D-A-N-S, just like you see on behind us. O-N-S-I-T-E.com. So do us a favor, give us a like, subscribe, uh, put a review, even if it's maybe not a good review, throw we'll it out those. there. We'll Learn take, from everything. We'll good take and them bad. all. So as always, I'm Dan Dutton. This is Dan Goley. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Thanks again for joining us. Find us on Facebook at YouTube, Dan's On Site. All your favorite podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. We would love it if you hit the subscribe button and also leave us a review. Reach us at dans at dansonsite.com.